0: Broadcasting live from the PHX.FM studio in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: It's time for Valley Business Radio, spotlighting the Valley's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to another episode of the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with PHX.FM. I am here with our co-host, Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Hey there, Abby. How you doing? I'm doing well. And I see from your background, the art on your wall tells me you are not at home. You're at your home away from home.
0: I am in my home away from home, which is in my sister's house in Southern California, where I I refer to it as my West Coast office, sitting at her dining room table, looking out over her balcony. Um, but yeah, you know, the work from home thing's working out pretty good. And it doesn't mean I have to work from my own home. So uh, You can
1: work from home when it's someone else's home.
0: Exactly. So hopped in the car, threw the dog in, in there and off we came. And so... Been here about a week and a half, got another week to go. In fact, we were chatting at lunch today that um, there might be a, a month plan coming up as as Arizona hits 110, 120 degrees this summer. Perhaps I will relocate here for a, a little longer when it's quite so warm there. We'll see how that goes. But it's always good for a change of scenery, get different, different view, someone to talk to, you know, you know how it goes.
1: I do know how it goes, although I'm still... Sheltering in place, as it were, uh, waiting for vaccines and whatnot to be available for my family. Um, and we do get outside, obviously. Yeah, we're
0: getting closer, I think. I think we're getting closer.
1: We, we are. We are. Surely, slowly but surely, this too shall pass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, we, you know, we're, it's, you know, it, it, depending, and it's interesting to watch the news here and the conversations around vaccination rollout and availability versus what we're hearing at the you know the news in Arizona. But um, you know, the bottom line is it's coming and the the system is in place to allow that. It's just a matter of determining how to how to prioritize the individuals and and access to that. And then obviously the, you know, the weather we had in the in the middle of the country and and created some havoc in terms of getting the getting the vaccines to their various locations. But, um, you know, I I know it's challenging and it's difficult and it is certainly not an easy process, but the thought that we were one, almost a year ago talking about, you know, this unknown virus and, and what it was going to do and what it was doing. And although the death toll is just horrible um, and can't discount what that means. But to think about what we were doing a year ago, what we're doing now, and the fact that a vaccine is available and is being dispersed is pretty amazing when you put all that together. and um and what you know, wherever you fall on, getting it, not getting it, access to it, and such, it really is kind of a a medical miracle in my view, that we were able to get to this point as quickly, although it didn't seem like it was at all it was happening. But and i'm I'm hopeful that by the summer, you know the vast majority of people will have have access to it and then will choose you know to make their decisions based on their their personal choice if they're going to go ahead and get it but the the world starts to even out a little bit you know the more that take advantage of that so we'll see where it goes
1: i think there's a lot of enthusiasm and hope optimism for the future certainly you know we collectively need to stay present to the to the to the loss that we've experienced, uh, and it's okay to to grieve. Certainly, personally, but also just at scale for the impact of this thing. The fact that more Americans died to, in during to this point during COVID nineteen than were killed on the battlefields of World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam combined is pretty breathtaking. Mm-hmm you know, years and years and years ago, 16 years to be exact, I used to work in humanitarian relief in war zones where one of the biggest challenges we had was trying to get people who weren't there to understand the scope and the significance of of something as devastating as the conflict in Darfur, for example. And we used to try to come up with analogies and it just occurs to me, even as I rattle off the one that I read about those wars, that even that is not that's still very distant from our experience. You know, um, it's just hard to take in. yeah, uh, and and yet doing that and processing it and moving through it together towards something better is what we're all trying to do,
0: right. I mean, that number is just it's it's incomprehensible. You to you don't know what five hundred thousand. And that's the five hundred thousand uh, that you know passed away. That's five hundred thousand families that are dealing with you know the a direct connection to what's happened. And it's it's yeah, it's a number that will not it will not sit well. There's no place for that to go. It's hard to comprehend what it means. But you know, I I I think the the again the resiliency, the ability to adapt for and to think about again, bringing forth a vaccination in, you know, 10, 11 months. Now, we don't know the inner workings of how that is and what's happening in laboratories around the world in terms of finding this information and, and such. But, you know, in our lifetime, this is, you know, again, I call it a medical miracle that it's it's available and that, that we have access to it. And And this is not a discussion on do or don't. It's just the fact that it's available and it's a choice, and and you know what choice you make for your family, of course, is what you'll make. Um, but the fact that we even have it to be discussing and I guess arguing and debating about its availability, and you know, am I qualified? Aren't I qualified? Who is qualified? Is is a much better discussion, I think, than some of the others that we've had around. You know, the, what's been happening and and. And I think we're going to continue to see discussions. If you follow the news and and you hear, you know, there's still talk about, we need to stay safe. We still need to wear our masks. We still need to social distance. We still need to, you know, follow those safety guidelines um, and likely will for, you know, a whole nother year or so until this does whatever it's going to do and they can track it and, and catch it in its earlier stages. And that's just part of what our, you know, our world's going to be like. And And I think the you know, something that we've talked a lot about while we've had these conversations over the last year has really been about adopting and adjusting and pivoting and all those words that talk about looking at stuff a little bit differently and being successful while we're doing it. So um, that's, you know, my view on what's going on.
1: And one exciting thing is, you know, you said we can't really know what's going on inside the labs. and And I would just say, actually, to some degree, uh, we can know because science journalism and science communication more generally has in r- more recent years uh, begun to do some really wonderful things. I mean, I think I shared with you, maybe I said on this show how my early thoughts about the pandemic were shaped by a book I had read in 1994 when I was an undergraduate called The Coming Plague, Emerging Diseases in a World Out of Balance. It was a huge like 600 something page book written by Laurie Garrett as a science journalist. and that was the first time that I read anything substantive about Ebola, about Bolivian hemorrhagic fever, about many of these other diseases. There was two long chapters on the AIDS pandemic. And the good news is, as we just saw uh, yesterday with NASA's press conference about the Mars uh, rover Perseverance mission, um, we can see, but more behind the scenes than ever before and and re-wetting our appetite for... um, for this kind of information as people share, they were really showing their work, you know, like they were told us to do in math class, um, really showing us how they did what they did and what's happening. And then telling us that all the data is available in in public websites. If we'd like to go download the images and help them search the images for details and things of that nature, I, there is a way in which citizen science and kind of an appetite for, this kind of stuff um, is there. It's been downplayed a bit, but it is there, and it's very exciting. My, I know my boys love that sort of thing.
0: Well, so. and and just you know the the fact that you can access and and find this information and and you're right. I mean that NASA um, and you know JPL is not far from where I'm at right now, where where that's all being managed and such. And and you know to the 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 image that that struck me, and it's probably because of what I do for a living, but One of the, um, I don't even know what their titles are. One of the head dudes um, was ripping up the contingency plan, right? And we talk about that all the time with clients. You have to have your issues management, your crisis communications and the what ifs and how are we going to handle it? And what is our, you know, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if this is going to happen? And so when that mission accomplished what it was supposed to do and he could rip up his contingency plan, that like for a communicator was like, woohoo, we did it right, right? and we can put that one away. And, and, um, but you know, we've never seen those kinds of things before. We've never had access to that kind of information. We know that it happens and we see it on the news, but we actually got to watch really in real time. Um, you know, that expression, this isn't rocket science. Well, it kind of is that that was truly rocket science, which is kind of a cool thing. And so, yeah, you know, the wedding, your appetite, I think is exactly what it is. It's, it's, It's reintroducing some of these things that, you know, maybe we've taken for granted because they're just happening and we, you know, they're not on our, you know, our daily conversations. But now we can, you know, click a couple buttons and watch Perseverance do its thing. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing thing.
1: And I think the more we can bring transparency and open access to these processes, the more we can have accountability and the more we can have the kind of governance that I think everybody fundamentally would agree is a good idea. Um, you know, there's always a tension between privacy and transparency when it comes to data. But when it's uh, government programs sharing with not only the scholarly uh, community, but with the general public data, and inviting us to use those tools to develop our own models and develop our own kind of ideas about things, I think that's always just not only is it good government, it's good science and it's good citizenship. Uh, and you know getting involved in whatever way we can and these kinds of things is always is always fun.
0: I agree. I agree. Well, we'll keep an eye out and see if there's some more of those things we can talk
1: about as always, the Arizona One hundred shares. Uh, short stories, 100 words or uh, exactly 100 words on things that are happening. Some of them are obviously COVID related. Some of them are science related and some of them are on other topics. This issue uh, is a big one. It's got a lot of interesting things in it. What are some of the highlights you want people to know about?
0: Well, and, and this issue, we, we actually did, um, d- did a little bit different. Um, we, we are calling that 100 plus, which means some of our stories actually extended beyond the 100 words because there was just so many great things to talk about. Uh, we didn't want to limit the information, so we we're taking a look at a bunch of different things in this um, this week's issue, and some of which are being the articles are contributed from our you know members of our community, which we always appreciate. So, um, you know we we've talked about um, the Girl Scout cookie program. I'm, I'm staring at three boxes right now on the counter that doesn't include the twelve that are hidden in the closet with the. Expectation. I'm not going to eat them anytime soon. But, um, but Girl Scouts, of course, had to you know really think differently this year about how they were going to do their traditional cookie sales. They were not going to be out in full force at the grocery stores and community places like they typically do. Uh, the door-to-door knocking was also going to be somewhat limited. So, what were they going to do in order to get those beloved Girl Scout cookies out into the community? And so, like good entrepreneurs. Uh, they took their uh, their business model and put it online, and many many troops across um, really across the country have taken advantage of the opportunity to do their um, their marketing and their sales function through uh, through the internet. And so um, featured in this week's issue is a, a an article written by a troop leader that talks about um, the cookie program and the impact that it has on the girls and the programs that it supports. And really, how these um, entrepreneurial young ladies took advantage of the the circumstances to still be successful and create their their cookie program. So, uh, I encourage you to read that. Obviously, encourage you to purchase Girl Scout cookies um, and help support the uh, the cactus uh, Arizona Cactus Pine Council in Arizona on their efforts to help. These girls find, um, you know, the self-esteem and confidence that they need to be competent and successful in our, um, as they grow into their um, adulthood. So always fun to talk about Girl Scouts. A few other things as it relates to giving back to the community. um, And I think we've discussed before about really the, you know, even in these most trying times, the organizations that have stepped up to support community and nonprofits in our, in our, across our state and, and how they're doing that, um, during this most trying time, but really how they've been doing it over the years. And Delta Dental of Arizona has a foundation and annually gives away, um, a significant amount of money. And this past year was no different, um, just shy of $775,000 were awarded to about 30 organizations across the state, um, all focusing on oral health, dental care uh, for kids, seniors, pregnant women, and um, really focusing on their their core mission of uh, oral health, oral, oral health education, disease prevention. And so even though Difficult times, organizations were struggling. Here was a foundation that said, we still can do some good. And $775,000 in grants went out into our community this past year. Pretty significant, pretty significant.
1: And that's a big deal, giving money directly to the organizations who support different programs, different communities, uh, really providing some leverage to get up underneath them in their important work.
0: Right. And following along those lines, sort of as a catalyst for change in our community, um Harazachin Casino out in Maricopa which is the management company for the Ockin Tribal Communities casino has really taken that idea of giving back um, really for their 25 plus year history out in Maricopa through a couple different programs and we're talking about their internal employee recognition program where they um volunteer um reach out into the community do community service projects fund programs with a financial support uh, they have an education um, and employment program. They are one of the largest um, or they are the largest employer in Pinal County. So they take that responsibli- responsibility seriously and look for opportunities for employment for the tribal community um, to give them um, education and training to become um, if they're so interested to work in the hospitality industry. So that's always nice to hear out there. So uh, some sustainability programs and such. So they're talking about, um, you know, what they're doing out in the community, which I always like to see. And one of our other focuses, and we've got a couple stories on this topic, is really about our, our mental health and what we're doing to, you know, look at this new normal, if we're still calling it that, and how are we creating um, experiences to ensure that we're being happy, taking good care of ourselves, taking good care of our family. And so we've got three different stories that look at um, inventing happy, reinventing happy, taking a look at our mental health. So you'll find some really helpful hints and tips there on not only our emotional health, um, our physical health, and we actually talk about financial health as well because a lot of the stress that we put on ourselves can tie back to our personal financial information. And so we talk a a couple stories about that um, as you kind of look at moving ahead into the new year here and what you might be able to do for um, yourself personally, take good care of yourself so you can take good care of the rest of your family.
1: It's amazing how those things are interlinked, how uh, mental health, physical health, financial health, all kind of intersect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, certainly financial health can cause mental uh, per- challenges and and stress and unhappiness, which can also then create physical uh, un- lack of physical well being, and of course, without the the financial situation to deal with those things, that you know, it can be a limited limiting factor on your ability to get treated and get well. So they really do all intersect and ought to be talked about together more often
0: right and I think that's really the important message there right is that that all of these things contribute to um, to your mental well-being and you are you are not good in any of those capacities if you're not taking care of all of those things. So um, some really good action items there to to think about and, and reconsider how we're doing what we're doing. Uh, One area that we've, you know, we focused on here in in lots of our conversations is really about, you know, the the economic growth of our community and what that means in terms of expansion, what that means in terms of jobs, uh, job opportunities and such. And a um, organization called Unmet Jobs um, is launching a free virtual job fair um, that kicks off on March 15th. And it's an online platform. You can find it at unmetjobs.com. And employers are available to act, you know post openings and job candidates, job seekers can post their resume. And it's using a platform that allows a little bit more of a um, personal interaction, right? So there's videos and other things. So it's not your typical online application, but a little bit more Um, intuitive conversations and such around um, seeking a job. It's been partnered with the Arizona Commerce Authority and really is a statewide look at um, job opportunities across Arizona. So if you are seeking new opportunities or if you are an employer with Opportunities available to check out unmetjobs.com and see if you can um, make a match there. I think you'll find the site very easy to use and lots of great information there.
1: And Arizona business owners can list put listings on the site at no cost. So this really is a way for them to, uh, to leverage this opportunity. Uh, to reach out and, and get support. And this sounds like a very interesting, interactive platform.
0: Yep, yeah. You know, and and allowing some of the, again, some more personality of the of the job applicant to come through and, and the employer as well has an opportunity for their em- current employees to, you know, share some insights about what it's like to work for their companies. So I think it's a interesting option and it's a month long event. So plenty of time to get on there, poke around a little bit, get your information up if you're seeking a job or have jobs available and, you know, support, um, what we know is happening in our state, which is a continuous continuous growth, in spite of some of the challenges that we're that we're seeing. Um, one of the big employers, also in Arizona, U-Haul, of course, um, has a, a headquarters in the downtown Phoenix area. And recognizing the importance of health and fitness and what that means for their employees, they are working with uh, Chase Building Team, general contractor in the Valley to develop a 54,000 square foot facility that is going to include not only meeting space, but wellness services, exercise facilities, education for its team members, really, again, recognizing the importance of investing in your employees and in your employees' physical and mental health in order to be... Um, a successful company. It's not just about getting product out on the street, but really paying attention to the people that are helping you, helping you do that. And then our final two stories look at uh, the real estate industry, um, look at the commercial real estate industry in 2021, and what industries or sectors within the industry are doing well. And a conversation around um, home purchasing and the importance of the documents that you need in order to purchase a home, because I think if you're paying any attention right now, interest rates are awesome right now. If you're considering purchasing or refinancing uh, either your personal home or looking to invest in commercial real estate, this is the time to be taking a look. So we hope you'll enjoy those articles. Again, some of them are a little bit longer than our traditional uh, 100 words because it was just too good. And we were the editor and said, heck, we're just going to let those long stories be a little bit longer this time.
1: The Arizona 100 plus special That's edition. Right. Now, we've got some personal news, some uh, news that you want to share here at the end of the show.
0: Hashtag personal news. Uh, so I think we uh, have produced about 44-ish, 44 segments of the Arizona 100 podcast. And we have um, coming up on three years of producing the email newsletter, um, the Arizona 100. But- Uh, The team at HMA Public Relations is going to be stepping aside as editor and publisher of the Arizona 100. We've enjoyed the opportunity to bring these great stories and talk about the businesses and organizations across the state. But it's time for us now to step aside. Um, Our colleagues at the 100 Companies, which is the parent company of the Arizona 100, are going to take over the reins for a bit and uh, serve as editor and publisher of the Arizona 100. So it is still happening. We are just not responsible for the content um, after this fabulous issue that we've done. But we do encourage you to consider um, and keep the uh, um, Arizona 100 coming to your inbox by subscribing at the Arizona100.com. And of course, continue to send news and information to editor at the Arizona100.com as the uh, publication will continue. And some exciting news for us uh, you're still going to get the chance to listen to Abby and Adrian chat. Uh, we're going to be launching a new podcast called Copper State of Mind which is going to be uh, conversations around, well, what's ever on our mind, really, as it relates to um, business and communications and really how our, our state and our industry is talking about and communicating um, information. So we're looking forward to launching that in the middle of March. And, you know, with you and I continuing to chat, we never know where these conversations are going to go, but we welcome you all to uh, listen in and find us at the Copper State of Mind as we launch here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Now, that's the title of your column I- I- that you've had in the Arizona 100. Uh, I'd l- be interested as we move forward into the future to give you a chance to kind of reflect back on what the Copper State of Mind really means to you. Uh, it's been a way for you to share some of your thoughts, some of your insights, some of your perspectives, and it's the title that you want to keep going forward for our new show. So uh, what, what has that been like for you and, and, and why the future? What do you want to get out of the new show?
0: Well, you know, the, the when we first talked about doing this in, in a typical newspaper or magazine format, the publisher always has a, a chance to have a, a conversation around a topic of interest that is related to the publication, but not directly editorial, um, as in objective information. And so, really that's been my chance to really talk about some things that are, um, you know, my views and opinions about certain things or observations that I've made. And I think as we've evolved and had our conversations, those have been some of the best conversations we've had that have just really been about, um, you know, a given topic and really exploring that from a, you know, a personal perspective, what we bring to it from, you know, our own experiences, as well as our business minds and how we're doing that. So my hope for the conversation and, and as we can continue with the with the new podcast that copper state of mind evolves to be a little lengthier discussion on particular topics um, we would welcome you know suggestions we'll we'll be um, providing some opportunities for input in that regard but it's really going to be a chance for us to you know take what is, going on in my head some days and and have a conversation. And and I think some of, you know, you and I have have similar views on certain things and we have very differing of views on certain things. And I think that's going to make a really great conversation as you and I, you know, dig in a little bit deeper on the things that are impacting our community um, and looking at it from a business perspective, from a communications perspective, from a marketing perspective. So that's where I hope it goes. And, you know... We've, we can fill time, you and I, so I'm not really worried about running out of things to say.
1: You know, I think it's important because as, as PR and communication professionals, you're often speaking on behalf of the client. You're trying to find the best way to communicate their goals, their projects, their programs, deal with their crises, uh, help them communicate effectively with their stakeholders. And you've done this for a long time and you've got some things of your own to say. And I think that the new show Copper State of Mind will be a great platform for you to begin to share more of them. You do privately with people who interact with you. You mentor a lot of folks. You have so many people have passed through the offices of HMA Public Relations over the years and you've shared your knowledge and your wisdom and your insights in those conversations this is a chance to share them with the world.
0: Well, and I'm looking forward to this. So, um I I appreciate the the opportunity to do that and I appreciate you joining me for the on that next journey in our, in our podcast history. It's so, never a dull uh, moment. No, but it's been great doing the Arizona 100. And I've enjoyed being able to share that information and, and both in the online newsletter and here in our, on our podcast and I wish much success to the publication. Cause I know it's been a much uh, needed and respected publication out there in the community and look forward to it, to its continuation under new leadership. And you and I will be back here having further conversations about. What's ever on the Copper State of Mind.
1: You can continue to stay in touch with The Arizona 100 at thearizona100.com. Abby Fink is Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. You can find them at hmapr.com. Abby, thank you and the team for your leadership on this. And we look forward to the future. Thank you. For all of us here at phx.fm, we're signing off. This is the final episode of The Arizona 100 podcast. Please join us for the next Copper State of Mind.